0: X split too. Don't forget that. Yeah, one of those- <laughs> <laughs> because you know the cameras, obviously. Awesome. Yep, we're good. All running. All right. Awesome. How's it going, you know, Lenny from Earth Mover, <laughs> Cast and Fire, and Poison Tongues? Yep. What else we got? What other bands did you have uh, uh, throughout the years? If
1: there were any, there you know they didn't really come to much fruition. Those yeah. those are the ones that really. Uh, that really did anything.
0: Yeah. Casting Fire was the first one you really took seriously?
1: Yep, yep. Uh, no, Earth Mover was the first. Oh,
0: no, how do I have that backwards then? Yep, Shit.
1: yep. Uh, Earth Mover was the first, and then uh, Casting Fire, and then uh, Poison Tongues.
0: Yeah. Poison Tongues, yeah. I'm more familiar with uh, Poison Tongues. That was more my era, sure, you sure. know, uh, Earth Mover, and that was just a little bit, you know, about five, seven years before I started coming around. Okay. Uh, um. Well, you know, what a good question is to start off with is, how did you... You know, end up you know, listening to like alternative music and like hardcore punk. Like, where did it start for you? Like, what was in yeah. your household? Like, you, you, you bro- know brothers, sisters, anything? You
1: know, nothing, man. You know, like my dad listened to like 50s shit, you know, country stuff like that growing up. And then, uh, you know, he was pretty avid music listener all throughout growing up, just stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, going, growing up, you listen to bullshit going through grade school, not really, you know, always kind of teetering towards the harder stuff you know and then i got into high school and I, I met some guys probably not not great um not great role models right but man they they introduced me some they introduced me to some you know music like danzig and shit like that early misfit stuff and then i i met some dudes and one of them had a fucking youth of today record and uh dude just blew me away it was uh youth today can't close my eyes i still remember that and uh i was like oh let me fucking borrow that right so he let me borrow the this album and immediately i went to the thank you list and i was like if i love this shit dude I, I gotta fucking i gotta find everything else so i went through the thank you list and everything on the thank you list sick It all wide awake biohazard all that early new york stuff um i just bought everything anything i could find i bought it and uh you know go to rock of ages and garden city and then I buy other stuff and you know, it just so happened that most of the stuff I bought back then was early uh early straight edge hardcore, right? So like like I said, like youth to today and wide awake and you know, my memory's not that good anymore, but you know, it's just sick with all and stuff like that. And I, I just go through those the thanks the thanks lists and I find all that and I go buy it and that one thing led to another and then pretty soon that it was just it was all that stuff, and then I got in the metal like fucking obituary and slayer and all that. You know, and then it got into punk, and I just had this collection. You know, it's funny, I out in my barn, I got a, you know, I just got boxes of shit, and the other day I went through there, and I just had stacks of old demo tapes. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was finding shit like old 25 to life shit from like 1990 and old Cold as life shit. And, it was just, it was like a trip down memory lane, dude. I was like, I couldn't even believe I had this stuff. I mean, it's been <laughs> sitting on a fucking bar for 20 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know what What I find interesting, too, is what I've been hearing a lot from a lot of people have been talking to is how they found the music was actually looking at the thanks and the stuff and like the back of it's the albums. Like it, then, yeah. You know, yeah. Like uh, there was
1: no internet. There was no, unless you knew somebody that could, you know, hand feed you that right. shit. It was like a zine that went out that you just a have to Zine in, and in, in Detroit, I mean, back in the 90s, dude, and even that late 80s there weren't a lot of zines out there. And if you found one, it was an old tattered one from somebody out in New York or Chicago or somebody made that we get out here and, you know, it wasn't really till, you know, till I found it like maybe the early nineties, late eighties that somebody put together, you know, like just a stable DIY zine. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's what all we had at the time. But I think that got people into stuff, into that era of music. uh, That If it wasn't for those little things, those little, fucking nuggets of hardcore that you know, just <laughs> makes things grow exponentially, you know? Yeah, and you could just
0: like go in like a whirlwind
1: of a f- bands. You
0: gotta find their album or their tape or one of your friends has it. You can yeah. either, either rip it or you gotta borrow it and return it. Like, but for me though, I was lucky enough to wear yeah. I was like the myspace era remember myspace okay. you know yeah, yeah, so yeah. so like you can go to like a band on myspace and then just go to like their friends or whatever and then you could just find band after band all over the country and world and
1: absolutely you know so it
0: was a little bit easier um
1: it was easier it absolutely
0: was easy, which is a good you know? thing now you go on Spotify, it'll say uh, you've related artists and then you just find whatever it's almost you want.
1: information overload now like I go on there and I'm just like, listen i don't, I don't even know what the fuck i <laughs> I'd find myself listening to the stuff i listened to 25 years ago this is what i know like there's a few bands out now that uh that come out that i'll listen to but to be honest with you most of the shit i listen to now if it's hardcore stuff i listened to 20 20 years ago you know? yeah yeah um, I, i'm a creature of habit dude i don't uh, some stuff is cool but you know it's just you gravitate to what you know. Yeah, I think most of us are that way
0: though. You know, we try to, you know, stay up stay hip to it, but there's still a lot going on. But it's Yeah, dude, It's touch. what influenced you, you know, at an earlier age is what really sticks with you to me
1: anyway. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And um so I don't
0: know, so how did Earth Mover get started? Were you in were you in yep. high school or
1: No, I mean, I think I was I think it started it started before I got into it. Um those guys they uh I, I, they started at first, and then I just, to be honest, I was I was a hardcore novice, dude. I didn't know shit about shit. And uh, my buddy Nick, I, him and I used to chum around together, and he played bass for Earth Mover. And we were at a party. I probably was doing something fucking retarded. I was just an idiot, <laughs> drunk as shit, all are. screaming. And he was like, "Yo, we should come out and uh, you know, you should come out and try out for my band." And I don't know if those guys. Had a lot of takers at the time because, you know, I was new. I didn't know anything. So I, you know, I just kind of fell into it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if there was a lot of people that were out trying to sing for the band. So I was like, there they got, you know, they're like, we got this guy. Might as well fucking use him. <laughs> so I, I was fortunate enough to drop in. And uh, to be honest with you, man, uh, you know, guys like Hasty and Jason Clifton and those dudes, like, they, they taught me, you know. They, uh, they kind of showed me, you know, I think that uh, being a hardcore singer, you either you just know or you don't know. You just, you just got it or you don't, man. You can either fucking yell or you can't. And right. uh, those guys took me in and, you know, I remember our first recording sessions. It was like pulling. I think it was like, if I was them, they had a lot of patience, man. I It was probably like pulling teeth with me, dude. But, uh you know, it, it got to be where, you know, you just let things go and you just do what you can do best and. And it just kind of rolled And I was able One of the good One of the things in life I was good at So Yeah cool. Well
0: I, I mean, A lot of people appreciate You know <laughs> You as a front man Man Like your voice really sticks out And to me Like like pretty good at screaming So uh Especially Earth Mover, man Like you, know, you just know Lenny too You can hear any of your bands Like That's fucking Lenny <laughs> you yeah. know, Especially Poison Tongues Um uh, Like I said That was one of the Uh bands that I've seen Uh most sure. you, know, you know Way back Um but uh, back to Earth Mover. Oh, were you younger than most of the guys in the band? Are you all about the I same think age? So. You yeah. know, like
1: um, everybody I think in the band was older than me by a few years. And then um Demps got into the band shortly after me because we needed a guitarist. That's a story unto itself. And uh, he's—I think he's maybe a year or two younger than me. Yeah, but we're we're mainly all all around, all around the same age.
0: Um, you know, one of the, when you type an earth mover on the internet or whatever, there's a picture that you always see of you, man. Uh, I think you're in a pair of overalls and you are like crazy <laughs> blonde hair, crazy long blonde hair, man. I never live that picture down, man. <laughs> Everyone and talks I, about I, it. I
1: think my wife brings that picture up every now and again, just to bust me up a little bit about it. But yeah, you know, you know, I sometimes look at shit I wore back in the fucking 80s. I was like, oh my God. You, dude. What like, you was like? No wonder my dad was like, what? A Idiot. Like, look at this kid you know but you know it's sign of the times right like i'll probably be like that with my daughter you know when she gets, <laughs> she gets me <laughs> it. but yeah yeah it, it, it's uh it was the 90s man you know big pants fucking overall stupid looking hair and headbands yeah, you know, uh, yeah the jinko's jinko man, Ginko, man. man. <laughs> oh, my god. oh my god yeah
0: yeah well you can look back and see any like videos of any like Earlier bands, and just see all people standing around with their big fucking giant pants. Oh my like, god, what,
1: what were they thinking? Dude, what were they? Th- I think to myself now, I was like, I look like that. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, like- I still remember like going to shows and shit. My dad would be working out in a car in the garage, and would walk by him and just.
0: Can yeah, you, you tell know. me about it. <laughs> yeah, my dad is the same way. Like, what happened? Shake it, shake it, what think. happened to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so were your parents cool with like the bands and stuff. Uh, I think
1: they were like, they just, uh, I think it was keeping me out of trouble for the most part, you know, and uh, you know, gave me some sort of direction. I don't think they really gave two shits. Um, you know, my dad was always like, he's like, you make any money at that? And I was like, you know. No, you know it's not about that, this and that, and
0: it's about the passion, Dad. Yeah, he's like, just like you <laughs> never sort of, understand. Shut the fuck up. You know? Get understand. out of here, dude. Like,
1: <laughs> and it's the same thing, you know. And you know, I put myself in his shoes. And somebody said that to me. Yeah, you know, but I have a little more knowledge on it. I think that, uh you know, they're just they're just happy. I was getting, you know, out with my friends doing stuff, staying out of trouble, you know, going to shows and stuff yeah
0: and it's gonna be a different era too you know like completely different say, you know parents were kind of naive they were very naive. You know? <laughs> they, they had no fucking clue what we were no, doing it was just chaos
1: till two o'clock in the morning going to shows they thought going to see a band we we're all standing around and you know i look at i look at mosh pits now and like kids going off and i'm like I'm gonna stay back here. I, I still want, like it. You know, I I love it. I love watching it. You know, it's great angst, but back in the day, people were fucking relentless, like taking each other's heads off. And but I mean that's the draw, right? Like you used to go to shows, and I remember the first show I ever went to see was fucking Slapshot and Pitbull at St. Andrew's Hall. Had to be like 90, 89, 90, somewhere like that. And uh, dude, I was I walked into the show, I was fucking intimidating. Like you walked in and it was like, it was the dark side, you know, like it was great. There's a sense of camaraderie and community that you can instantaneously see, but you could definitely see that there was something different there. It wasn't like going to see a show, um, you know, at, at one of the main venues in Detroit, you know, it was, it was raw and it was untouched and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, um, watered down. And I think that's what drew me to it. Like it was, uh, it was fucking hardcore, you know, and, and they, I don't, you know, I guess every generation says, oh, you know, it's different now and things like that. But, you know, I, I don't, you know, my glory days were back then and like they you know, late, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s coming up through there and it, nothing will ever touch those days. Like you went to a show and you were intimidated, like, you know, you went saw cold as life and stuff like that. Like it was, uh, it was, it was cool. You know, like it was it was like nothing you ever saw. And you know, those early bands, like going to see Slapshot, Cichlidone, Biohazard. And at the venues that Detroit had, it was just, uh, it was raw and untouched. And I, I don't think, I think any generation says that, but I don't think you'll ever be able to find anything that can replicate that feeling, nor the environment that it once had.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know, as so you walk in, you know, over and over again. And mm-hmm. like people start to recognize you and you just hope like to get a head nod from somebody who like you, <laughs> like, like, just, just like, that's, right, all, right, right, that's right. all you need. is just a yeah. nod, like eye to eye contact and a head nod is what really like would uh, solidify like me anyway is like, I'm
1: a hardcore kid. <laughs> you right. Know? It, you know, it was funny. Like there was so many, so many people that I would just see around. And I, I never really, uh there was never really an idol life. A factor of idolizing anyone but you'd see people and then you'd be like you know you knew who was who after you know going to shows for like six months a year or whatever and then you got to talk to them, you got to know them, and, and they were just genuine you know genuinely good people and uh it was just uh it was a good experience and i those things formed the bond of like hardcore and, you know i hate to say brotherhood but you know just the friendships you make back then and You know, sometimes I think now about the people I haven't seen in 25, 30 years. And it's so much that I'd be like, man, I wish I'd just go back and talk to them again. They're just either not around or doing their own thing. Yeah. You know, it it is what it is. I guess it's life.
0: Yeah, but that's part of the thing I'm trying to do here. You know, somebody might see it. You, You know, they might think about their glory days. And, you know, just I remember the good times. And, you know, especially after all the whole pandemic and shit like that it makes i hope make a lot of people recognize and see like what they've missed (laughs) you know whether they've moved on or not you know that happens like i took a few years here and there where you know i pick and chose what shows i was going to go to if i win at all yeah but um like and so now that we can't go to shows for me makes me think like I have to go to all the shows now. <laughs> you Absolutely. know, it doesn't matter who you know, it is. And it'll,
1: it'll be good. Yeah, I think that you know. I even told myself, you know, you know, I'm a dad now, and I got careers and shit going on. But you know, I even told myself, you know, if things happen again, I like to make a little bit more of an effort than I did before. You know, and yeah, in the past few years. And you know, everybody gets busy and stuff. And, but you know, we give them a ten percent effort. See if I can get out there and touch base with <laughs> to some people that I missed. You know. Yeah,
0: it's uh. Hmm. I'm going to say it's just like a lot of people, like even though they don't go to shows or they they moved on a hundred percent, but like the hardcore has like an impact on your life and it teaches you some values. I think it does can, absolutely. Can, can I can really think take the, on.
1: you know, you touched on values. I think that uh, a lot of people that maybe never had, um, you know, figures that that taught them about it, you know integrity and honor and respect and things of that nature. You know, you could find that in hardcore, like even though they may be thwarted one way or another, I think that respect where it gets thrown around way too much. You know, you gotta you know, you don't give respect to somebody, you know, you gotta earn it first. You know, you, it's something that you know you can't you can't ask people for and you don't you, you can't you can't beat it out of somebody, <laughs> you know. You have to you have to be a good dude to get it and you know, most of the people that I respect in the hardcore scene uh, they are genuine human beings, you know, and you could know that when you met some of these people, and, you know, Detroit had some of the most, maybe the, in my, in my opinion, you know, the hardest scene in the world, you know, that I, I fucking love Detroit, and, you know, I think Detroit gets the, the lightest rap, you know, you got New York that's got, you know, in my in my opinion, you know, just an amazing scene that's flourished throughout the years, but Detroit's had this this linear progression of a scene, but it's just had the most amazing people, the best characters, the wildest stories, the characters for sure. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah.
0: yeah um, Let's <clears throat> so move on. Uh, like with Earth Mover, I know. It's sure. Pretty. Well, you guys did any tours or like, was it? Yeah. yeah you know, legs think, and stuff like I think went overseas. And yeah, we did. The band?
1: Uh, you know, in, uh, in the beginning, you know, Andy Demps, we got him in the band and, you know, it's funny. I think, Touch on that real quick. Andy got in the band. Me and Andy knew each other from shows. I don't know if you knew about this place. It was called the the Grounds Coffee House. You never heard about that? Never heard of it. Detroit legend. (laughs) If any of the early straight edge hardcore bands that ever played Detroit outside of Blondie's, they played at the Grounds Coffee House. It was on the U of D campus, and it came. And you get, if you can find a man, Eric Z, that, that was the dude who ran it. He was the fucking OG of that place. He brought in early bands like fucking Integrity and, you know, all these Cleveland fucking powerhouses and st- bands from out in, the, oh shit, like Louisville area and just all over the United States would never make it here, like Shelter and those guys. And I started going there and I met Andy Demps. And Andy was, uh, he became the, the, one of the guitars for earth mover. And when earth mover started, Andy and I would chum around we'd go to shows. And it was funny. We'd, we used to write each other fucking letters and write down all the records we had at our fucking houses and then send each other our lists and be like, yo, you know, what do you, you know, what do you want? Send it to me. What do I want? And we'd fucking make shitty tapes for each other and send it. But and Andy ended up going to U of M and, uh, we were practicing with the earth mover and I was with Mike Casey, the other guitarist for earth mover. And we were like, I was, I, I said, what you know? What do you want to do? And he said, let's go to a, uh, let's go. We went to a, a record store in Ann Arbor and in the back of my head, I wanted to see if Andy was good. I was like, man, I hope, I hope Andy's going to run into Andy. He lives there. It, it, this is a, a million to one shot, you know, that he happened to be at this record store that we walked in there and in the back of my head. I was like, I hope this dude's there. And we walk in and Andy, I think he was on the street or something. And I was like, Hey, you want to, you want to come try out guitar for the band? And hasty was like, yeah, cool. So he jumped in the car, He jumped in his car, came back to the house and it was fucking game on. And to lead into the question you just asked or what we were just talking about at that, Andy coming to the band, Andy was, a. he was a, He's was a thinker, man. He uh, he really took Detroit hardcore and uh, things to another level with the connections he made and just uh, being real cerebral about, you know, doing things within the scene. You know, he did zines and set up all our tours. And I guess that's where we were going with this. He uh, he would set tours with us. Man, at the time, you know, I was a knucklehead. I just want to play hardcore and play with bands. And he was finding these bands you know, Blood for Blood and all these other bands that at the time were gonna be up and coming powerhouse breed, like you set us up to Earth breed back in the day and you know, like if th- we do these three day weekends with these bands, and we just thought they were we had their demo tapes. we are like, Oh fuck Haybury, dude. Demo tapes. We had we know nothing about these guys. Like all we knew is they're-, they're hard as shit. From Connecticut. Fucking Connecticut hardcore, <laughs> yeah, right? And Andy would make these connections just through snail mail or the beginnings of uh of the internet and uh do we just start just go out and do tours and shit we did 25 to life and i think andy went out with one of the early coldest life tours when jeff started uh jeff started singing for him and uh just i think when he went out and did that with coldest life he came back and he just had this Fucking cornucopia of contacts that he he brought back, and it was just game on. We would just go out, and after that, you know, we went to Europe, and uh, you know, we were one of the earlier earlier Detroit bands to go to Europe. I think shortly after that, Coldest Life went, and uh, that was just it was it was pretty cool, man. He did he did a lot of good stuff.
0: Yeah, I always find it interesting. <clears throat> I know there's a lot of American hardcore bands that uh, end up doing like big European tours, but it's almost like any any European you run into on like Instagram or anything, you always see that there's like three or four bands from Detroit that you always find at least a picture <laughs> or a song from. It's like it's like some crazy connection with Detroit and a European band, especially Eastern, Eastern European, like Bulgaria sure, sure. and this shit like that. It's yeah. so, interesting, fascinating. To no, it's, I
1: think the con- it's Europe, the, the scene there is, so, you know, and I still, I have friends in Europe now that I met from back in those days that I still keep in contact with rather all uh, fuck all the time. And we, you know, we'll talk all the time, but it, it was those connections that Andy made back in the day through like Bruno and get it records. I don't even know if they're fucking around anymore. He was doing that big Eper fest for a long time. I think it was um, huge. Yeah. It became huge. <laughs> see, I, I think earth mover did it back in 98 and they did it, in this fucking old warehouse called the Vortenvies. It was like an old fucking fish market. And when we played there, dude, there, it was a fucking ratty, dark, beautiful shithole. The <laughs> kids are hanging off the rafters. I remember were, we're playing, there's millions of kids fucking just, sma- dude, it was chaos. Kids are hanging off the rafters, flying everywhere. It was the quintessential hard when i think of hardcore and i I think about the stuff that i remember like it was the quintessential hardcore view of just complete chaos everybody getting along and tons of kids piling on top of each other and singing along it was good memories yeah phenomenal especially
0: if you can have like such a good festival or just a show with a bunch of like heavy hitters like to where nothing
1: bad happens like there was you know you know and back then maybe i out of my head but those those european shows we did early in the time there was nothing bad that happened like it's all kids, love it, it was fucking all love you know like, aggression the, but there's aggression beautiful. but yeah. it just seems so positive and those kids were so uh just appreciative that you busted your ass to get there you know that uh it was just uh it's just a beautiful thing man. it was, it was awesome yeah
0: <clears throat> yeah um so now what year did uh so your first album. did you guys have any demos before or, Yeah, you know, or, I think like you can't find any of that. Like all I can find is uh, the two, uh, two you know, the 95 two ninety five. We did then, some
1: demos. Yeah. We did some I, I think Earthmover Earth Mover probably had a split seven inch here or there. I, mean, I you know I know if we didn't have a split seven inch, I know we had a we had a we had a demo C D, definitely not the majors that came out. And that was just Dude, that was just an amazing demo CD with a bunch of awesome bands on it um but you know I think we did like you know the demo tapes man I should have went over this in my head before I got here yeah um,
0: yeah I know I mean I bring a lot of stuff yeah. oh no, no people you, I've talked to they're like like this doesn't even cross my mind I'm like, yeah, Crossed my I cross my mind even, every day what are you talking about
1: I think you know more demo tapes and stuff getting that out there and then uh, we did some we did a seven inch. You know, now Now that I remember it, we did a 7-inch with Clifton's dumbass on the center console, of the 7-inch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there there was like a 7-inch and then two records and some CDs and, you know, the shitty demos that you record in your basement and sell the shows for three bucks and <laughs> trade it for fucking beer or something like that. Yeah,
0: man. I think, uh, I think one of my favorite ones, uh, the death carved in every word is...
1: That, you know, that was, you know again, that was all Demps, man. The 10-inch. Like, he came up with that concept for that 10-inch. At that time, the only 10-inch I saw before that was, I think it was the Chrome Age of Coral 10-inch that came out fucking years before. And Demps, I think that was a decade, maybe more than that. Yeah, this. 84,
0: 85, probably. Shoot. Not before that. that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I just. Maybe, dude. like All before me, so I'm just guessing here. Demps
1: came out with that 10-inch, and then, you know, he came out and saw the like, colored vinyl and all this. And I still have, I don't even know where mine are. They're probably my record rack somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, we, we had all that stuff. And other than that, I, I don't really remember, man.
0: Yeah. Um, and he's been uh, suggested to me by quite a few people, actually. Uh, and he, Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know you him. You can find but him, man. I have been yeah, talking to yeah, him a no. couple
1: years. Like, I hope he's doing well. I haven't, you know, I haven't talked right. to him.
0: Right. Yeah. Time. Didn't he have something to do with the plus minus records? Or my yeah, mistake? that was him, yeah. dude. That was
1: all Andy. And he, uh, man, if you would have been at that Earth Movers reunion show in 2010, he brought like duffel bags full of plus minus shit, and you just giving them out to wow. people. Like Andy was always a preparer, man. He always had, you know, great mind on him, good shit, and he just made these packets of like plus minus and CDs and tapes and seven inches and. Whatever you can find, just giving them out to people. But yeah, he started that. I wish I, I wish I remembered m- 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 more more about it. But I th- I think Earthworm may have been the fir- first thing on, on plus minus. Um, I know Andy. Damn. It may it may have been. I'm, it kind of skips my, my my brain here. He uh, I know him and I did this did this zine now i'm not gonna lie it was more andy than me i just put in a couple things here and there um but we did a zine back in 93 94 and uh i remember one of the things in the zine was he did like this fucking weightlifting article with anthony percelli from fucking youth of today i think he may have interviewed like uh your boy from fucking Sheer Terror. I may have that wrong. I probably got that wrong. But he had some good interviews, man. He did some really cool stuff. Did some really cool stuff. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean without people like him. Oh dude. <laughs> hey, yeah, he The word he, wouldn't get out, you know? It, it <laughs> wouldn't get out. Yeah, he
1: thrusted he thrusted the Detroit scene. He was one of those key players that I think that goes uh you know, him and Eric Z like you need to get that guy out. That guy could tell you stories for days. But he you know, he uh he orchestrated truly the Detroit straight edge scene back in yeah, shit
0: mid, mid late eighties nineties. Yeah, I say what are some some good like early uh, Detroit
1: straight edge bands? that do like,
0: <laughs> you remember any off the top of your head? You know
1: stuff like you know stuff I remember is like bands like Empathy. Um, they were a big Detroit uh, Detroit uh, straight edge band. I'm not sure if they were straight edge, but they're they kind of were cut from that cloth back in the day. And the, there's a band called Jihad uh nothing to do with the current <laughs> political cycle dude just a badass name back yeah yeah it is um but they were fucking bad they were amazing dude um and they were probably psh, late 80s um you know and i'm sure there was like i know jay navarro had this band i don't know if there was a straight edge band but called positively negative i think tim Alfred was in it like years ago mm-hmm. Um, but as for really straight edge, there wasn't much, man. There, no. there wasn't much, dude. Back in the eighties and nineties we were just a bunch of fucking derelicts. Get those guys on. They could tell you they're, they're, uh, just ride the coattails.
0: <laughs> it's long for the ride, but yeah, hey, man, dude, good times. Yeah. And one person I've been going back and forth with too is, um, uh, Enzo. Oh, fucking Enzo. Yeah.
1: The guy's an encyclopedia of a Detroit <laughs> shit, dude. Every
0: time I post something, he's like, got it, got it, got it. Oh yeah, dude. I've been there, been there. All the shit that <laughs> like, I got in my Christ. barn
1: that, dude, <laughs> he's got triplicate of <laughs> yeah. behind fucking glass, bronze. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You know, he was lot. in uh, cast on fire
0: with you, right? You guys did that together? Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yep. Uh, right, dude. I think it was uh right when Earthmover ended, or, you know, I left Earthmover and uh, you know, they formed Walls Jericho. Um, uh, the Vince and me and, uh, Vince's little brother, uh, we, uh, we, uh, we got cast in fire, man. And we just, it was, we were fired up and within a year we were back in Europe. Um, we went right back. Uh, I think we did Eperfest the fucking a year or two years right after Earthmover did it. Um, you know, we did a little, little, Little tour over there, and that that was pretty cool. Um, we went out, you know, we went out east and did some really good shows out east. Did did some small tours out in Pennsylvania and uh, Connecticut, and New York and stuff. So Long Island, I think maybe went out there. It was, it was cool.
0: Yeah, when did Cast Fire
1: uh, end? Because Man, you have to ask me that question, didn't you? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. I would say two thousand. Okay. It wasn't around that long. Ninety-eight, probably around a year, year and a half, and then, uh, you know, I, I moved away for a while, joined service, and, um. Yeah, it was. Did cast a fire, and then, it was like a quick, band. We released some stuff. We released some stuff, I believe, on Gennett Records and, or Purist Records, and. I did some splits with a band called Face Down from uh, Belgium. And, uh, then we're gone, boom. And, uh, then I pretty much dropped out of, dropped out of scene, joined the military and, uh, kind of came back and forth and stuff like Yeah, that for a while. Yeah, that's what I
0: wanted to do. How was, like, your, like, transition? Was it always in your head that you wanted to join the military or was you it? You know,
1: there's a few things I wanted to do when I was a little kid, you know. One was, uh, I just, when I was a little kid, I just always wanted to, always gravitated towards wanting to, uh, be a soldier, you know, and, uh. And it just kind of happened, you know, I, I remember I was, I was working a fucking no end job and have shit for money and I was man, I gotta do something with my fucking life. And, uh, it, immediately right after that, you know, I was getting by, but, uh, you know, I kind of left hardcore for a bit and I was working this job and then nine eleven happened and I was like, you know, it's prime time to fucking go get some action and get into it. And uh, you know, I got what I fucking asked for. And, you know, you know, be careful what you ask for. Sometimes, right? Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. So you weren't in there. Like you didn't go to my boot camp. Was that already after nine eleven? Uh, that was at,
1: you know, nine eleven happened, and I joined maybe maybe a month after that. And uh, a lot of people did though. Yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I went in there, and uh, you know, I, I needed. A, you know, I, I went to college before that, off and on. Some, you know, didn't really stick with anything, and. I wanted to help people. I wanted to do stuff. I wanted to make a difference, man, because I was going to these no-name, nowhere jobs, you know, fucking cleaning up, doing bullshit, you know? And for me, I just, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to make something of myself and I knew that I didn't have any money and the army give me money for a career and, uh, you know, go to university and shit like that. So I joined up and uh, went to boot camp. Uh, they sent me through combat medic school and, uh, you know, just, you know, it changed my life, dude. If it wasn't for uh, getting my ass kicked in the army for 19 years, uh, dude, I don't even know where I'd be, dude. You know, I don't, it it uh it definitely kicked my ass to do something with my life and set myself. Start. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll put you on a different path than. Yeah, it definitely put me on a path. You know, uh, went overseas. You know, multitude of times, and uh, you know, got to see uh, real hardship, and uh, you know. Uh, you know, you think you think you grow up hard, all that bullshit, and people think they're hard, and then you go and see what life and death is really about. And it uh, casts a different light on everything.
0: I couldn't know? imagine, you know, I had family members who, who had joined the military and, you know, active duty in Iraq and, you know, with, just hearing the things from them. <clears throat> you know, my cousin, he was in the Marines, and uh-huh. uh, what, uh, what his job was is... He'd have people like walk in front of him, like looking for like IEDs in the ground yeah. and stuff. He stood like on top of like a Hummer with like a, with a gun. I don't know what kind yeah, yeah, of gun yeah, it's yeah. called or whatever, but um, uh, they must have missed one, and their their vehicle had ran over like a IED. It fucking blew him sideways. Like, you know, like he was one of the one of the only people, you know, who were able to like, get out and not hurt too bad, like a broken leg, but at least like yeah. he got to come home for, for a little bit after that. But then. Right back to it, right Yeah man. Yeah Which give them props You know Those people it's People like that their Life on the you, line man you know, it's you know
1: People like that You know it's, It takes a lot of guts To do shit like that You know And you don't You don't see it There's There's a generations Of people now That I mean Shit We've been At war with these countries Now In my opinion Far fucking too long But You know So many of these people That just do the Everyday stuff That just get left behind That do these amazing things that you never hear about, you know? Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, just wild stuff, dude.
0: was totally left behind, though, like you said, you know, all these, uh, these heroes that you know, that's working, work regular jobs, and they don't, you know, whether they want the the high five for it or not, but you know, things that they they are, you know, through. and I think it's, you know, it's,
1: it's you, you can look at it, you open up a Pandora's box, uh, how you want know, to adjust the situation, but. You know, nowadays it's you know we don't fight for freedom anymore. You know we fight for other people's freedom. We fight to, you know, uh, expand. I mean, it's it's like I don't know. This this is probably a good time to edit this part out. Uh, Let me let me grab gather my thoughts. Fine. Um, Do you want to go into like like I don't know how you want to. I I can talk more about this, Um, but yeah, I kind of got a brain fart on it. That's okay. There. um, Right, right. Some people may may may. like. I don't mind, but you got to direct me a little bit. Yeah. Like, if you want to ask me shit about my time overseas, Um, but uh, you guys
0: want to touch anything, you know, you you can fucking
1: any anything you want, dude. Ask me about my tours. Okay. Ask me, uh, me what happened to me. That's fine. You can talk about. Okay. That yeah. Stuff. So. But it it kind of kind of broke off. And yeah. Kind of lost my frame of thought. No, like, you're fine, sorry. man. It's totally good. Which has gone. <laughs> okay. No problem. So <laughs> no, that's all. I mean, 36 minutes and yeah, I'll remember that. Yeah, we're fine. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, so. So I know. Uh, um, let's just start. Sure. Let's start over. So. so
0: So after boot camp and everything, how soon was like your first tour? Like, did you know right away you were going? Uh, No,
1: I went uh, after boot camp. I went back to uh, I went to my uh, advanced individual trainings, which was uh, which was uh, combat medic school, and then I got sent to a uh, a scout cavalry unit, and uh, I got put on a scout recon team right away, and uh, we went to uh, that was my it was about uh 3 months post invasion uh our job was to uh, i was a medic on a scout recon team our job was to secure uh routes between cities uh look for IEDs, bad guys set up hide sites and engage uh engage bad guys um we did this for that was my first tour it was a fucking eye opener and uh you know it's everybody thinks them you know it's it's all you know rock and roll but it's uh to be honest with you it's fucking weeks of boredom um separated by minutes of ultra violence and uh that's how it's pretty much characterized and uh it's uh it's just wild you know and you, you know, i was just a fucking dude i i didn't know shit about shit how old time. were you like i was you, remember? you know i was fairly older um I think I was like 27 or 28. I was a fucking baby in the in the eyes of the army. You know, there were guys that were like 21, 22. They already did. They have been around for a while that I was learning from. And uh, I remember, my, man, my first gunfight, dude. I uh, I didn't, dude. I had guys dragging me left and right. It wasn't until two or three times then that you really, really kind of figure out what to do. You know, pull your head out of your ass. Yeah, it's kind of hard to, to be to calm, in the game, you, know, you know, and actually
0: think about And then what you've got to deal with,
1: you know, I was a medic, so you guys get hammered, dude, and you're seeing this shit for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, what they prepare you for in training, you know, it's nothing compared to when you got somebody bleeding out in front of you, and you got to, you got to plug holes. You know, <laughs> you you know? just like, pass out and fucking throw and, up. You know, That'd be me. I'm leaving. Fuck this you shit. You know, like, you <laughs> learn from, like, you know, we were really fortunate that we got, you know, that we were uh we had a ranger team on our on our site with us, and those medics really spooled us up. <laughs> you know, in, in early early uh, early time, like the thought process of fucking combat medicine was completely different than it is now. And um, you know, like dirt in a wound at the time to stop fucking grotes- you know, heavy bleed, and like you know, people back here would think that's crazy, but at the time, you know, you do anything you can to stop you know stop stuff like that so um but you know you learn and you move on and you know you kind of deal with it and you know um and those you know i just thank the lord for for all the guys that i met that kind of ushered me in and the funny thing is is like like bringing hardcore back into it like i meet so many guys over there that you know their sleeve would come up they'd have a fucking sick of it all tattooed and you're like what the fuck dude like and you'd start to see this I hardcore with community within, <laughs> yeah. you know, this hardcore community within, uh, within the military, like, you know, see dudes with Madball tattoos and, you know, sick of it all tattoos. And, you know, obviously, you know, New York hardcore shit is really widespread. And, you know, just m- gross metal heads throughout. And you're like, you know, this is should, this You know, I knew it was worldwide before, but, you know, I always thought there was a separation between, you know, uh, people that, that, Kind of went a different path, you know. Because hardcore kids kind of stay hardcore, you know. Yeah. You see a few people that you know kind of branch off get into professional lifestyles and stuff like that, or going to the military. But it wasn't until then that I started seeing a lot of like axe metal heads and fucking hardcore dudes that would uh, that would you know infiltrate the military and you know and you know just gravitate there. And uh, from there, you know, I came back and spent another few years in the military. and Uh, then after that, I went, uh, I went to be, uh, I got out, you know, I became paramedic and, uh, did some stuff in the civilian world for a while. I was living in New York for a long time. was a medic out there and went to university and I was like, man, I want to get back after it. So I came back in, I became a, you know, a critical care flight paramedic and got into the the combat flight portion of it. And, uh, you know, went to medevac and dust off and, uh. That was fucking rock and roll, dude. It was adrenaline. Went back to Afghanistan, did that for a year or two, and uh, was a flight paramedic for them up in northern Afghanistan. Came back, uh, and then came back, and then went back to Iraq, and as a flight paramedic, and that was my last tour.
0: So so as, like, a flight paramedic, you're just, like, going into zones where some shit went down, just pulling people out? You know,
1: it's kind of like... uh you know you're a much highly trained uh critical care aspect of combat medicine to whereas the the combat medic on the ground would be initial contact but then once they kind of initially stabilize you would go in and we go into anything we go in under fire um go into hot lz's picking dudes up and uh we try to get them to the, you know that you know that, that golden hour of care we try to try to get them to a, uh, to a higher level of care at a combat surgical hospital before they expired. And uh, dude, we go in day, night, tops of mountains, fucking deserts, uh, under fire, you know, our primary, usually go in at night, dude under night vision, and uh, meet up with the team, grab dudes, and, and just try and get them home, you know, try and get them back their loved ones.
0: So, so at night, like, so do you, you usually like drop in off a helicopter, like try to be as quiet as possible? Um, How does that
1: work? You know, well, you don't, man. You know, yeah. you, you get a team on the ground that secures a, a landing site or you, you show up to a, a crossroads in the middle of the desert. We usually want to do it at night cause we own the night. We come in under night vision and uh, we grip up, you know, come in there. Hopefully the ground already has the threat already uh, taken care of. We come in nab them up, put them in the aircraft, and we'd be on and off the ground within 20 seconds. As soon as the ground gets, the dust is gone, i grab the guy, bring him on, we'd assess him, intubate him, give him whatever we had to do, IVs, blood products, uh, get him to the hospital, and uh, rock and roll with them to the next higher level of care. Dude,
0: fuck, it's crazy. I'm sure lots of lives saved, lots of lives lost.
1: Uh, you know? know, dude, it was, uh, you know, I can honestly say that uh if you got into my aircraft if you weren't already expired uh we we uh we got you to the hospital there an, that's great we didn't have any we didn't have anybody uh we were really lucky though you either got on dead or you got on alive and you stayed alive so that's awesome that was, i'm i'm you know i'm it ain't because i'm that good it's just because uh i was that lucky you know
0: for sure yeah because you know your name uh instagram you know, dust off and so when i started to search for you yeah. there's about four or five dust offs with different locations <laughs> like yeah, there's a, uh there's a, the, uh, the a dmz or am i saying it right yeah, uh, there's and, north korea one or well, something you like know that?
1: What, uh, so dust off's the call sign for uh combat uh or medevac in vietnam that's what the the call sign was and then it kind of just all army medevac under helicopters is now dust off operations so uh, you know, I kind of gravitated towards that. That's my, uh, you know, just a real proud community that uh, sure. that I was blessed to be a part of. You know,
0: I love it. Yeah, and you know, and
1: little,
0: say thank you, you know, for all for all you've uh, done yeah. for the country, saving lives. You know, boots on the ground. You know, it takes uh, a lot of courage and a lot of people. I mean, shit, me, so, that'll never cross my mind. I'm a baby. I'm scared of everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know?
1: yeah. <laughs> you, you know it's it's dude it's just a job dude and you know if you give somebody time to think about it they probably wouldn't fucking do it until you you know you just you got a job you need to go out and do it and uh you know it's not that you think any higher yourself you just it's just a fucking job dude you just you gotta get out there and knock it out i mean this takes a lot of courage though that's you you think about that afterwards, dude, and it's yeah know, yeah it's, I
0: know you're just doing the job. This is what you signed up for. You just got to do it now. It's, it's to be first... honest
1: with you, I you know I just I watched too many movies, <laughs> I, I, dude. I watched too much too many movies growing up. And I was just like, man, that looks cool. I want to fucking do that. I couldn't grow up having a normal job, and then uh, yeah, I got it, and it was, you know I am getting you know I'm getting out right now. And got 19 years in. I'm almost I'll be retired here soon. And, uh, it was a good career, dude.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One thing you mentioned, one of the last times you were, you were there, you said you got, you knocked pretty good, man. Yeah, I um, got, uh, what was we, uh, behind that, if you don't mind? I got,
1: uh, we got, a. I ran, sent about, uh, 14 ballistic missiles in, uh, I was the, I was a uh, uh, the team sergeant at, uh, one of the sites. And unfortunately we didn't have enough time to, uh, to get to a, a bunker like a lot of other people did and, uh we got a uh, we did get to a bunker but it was above ground and uh we got hammered by uh some uh, uh ballistic missiles and uh, uh some came really close and uh rattled us pretty good to the point where uh you know unfortunately it took me out of the fight uh pretty early in my tour i got a uh, got medevac to in germany and then uh did about a week in germany and then did uh went to Walter Reed for a couple of days and then sent to a, a TBI treatment facility in, uh, in uh, Kentucky and where uh, I've been getting treatment for a while and then fortunately about five months ago, I was able to come home and get treated again back here in the States, back in Michigan and the VA is taking real good fucking care of me. Uh, but yeah, I'm about to, uh, to retire and, uh, get out, get back to my uh, civilian, civilian job and get back to being a dad and, uh, just taking it easy. And, yeah, know, yeah, yeah like man. Just trying to
0: live as normal as you can. Know, well, as you can. all
1: the jobs at the at the farm and take it easy from there, dude. So. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, <clears throat> I can't just say, but thank you again, because that just takes a lot of courage. And you know, I thank my vets. You know, whether some people, why are we still there? It doesn't matter. You know, for you, are doing the job. You know, you know.
1: It's, uh, you, think, you know, I just think about the guys from the fucking Vietnam, the World War Two, and. You know, even the guys, you know, I, I say that because, you know, those guys are just fucking hard charging warriors, man. But, you know, I see guys that I worked with every day overseas that, dude, they are just hard, hard dudes. And the amount, you know, the level of intelligence that we're b- b- bringing, bringing to the table right now with, with our war fighters, though, just hard sons of bitches, man. <sighs> it just honored me just to work alongside of them, you know? Those yeah are just badasses, just great intelligent all around good human beings dude yeah you know i, I always find
0: myself watching uh <clears throat> you know whether it's on netflix or or whatever channel is uh in world war ii like whether it's documentaries or it was anything i think i think world war ii is like the craziest thing ever <laughs> you know like you know it, literally it, the entire world
1: you know it's was involved you in know that what's shit crazy about it i think is that you know you left and there was no internet and letters to fucking half a year to come home and those guys would leave to go to war and they would leave for until the war was done. You know, they didn't come back after a fucking tour. You went over there eighteen year old kids too. the unit rotated back. You got, you got hammered or you got, I don't know. Something, you know, happened. My, my uncle got hammered on D day. He died with Nazi shrapnel in his fucking ass. Um, <laughs> Fuck. You know, but you know, so they. I, I saw a study they did a while ago and they said the average infantry soldier in, in World War II, they would see like, I don't know, what I don't remember what it was. It was like 70 days of hard combat. And then the average infantry soldier in Vietnam would see like 270 days of hard combat. Fuck. So you can like, just think about that like, and I think over my my career, maybe I saw fuck, you know, spanning three combat tours, like maybe seventy or eighty days of legit combat, dude, of maybe getting mortared or a gunfight or something like that. But it probably less than that, dude. But and that shit, you know, you talk about PTSD now, and you know I'm, you know, I've got PTSD, and you know I advocate for any vet out there to if you have ptsd to to, to to you know to go out there and seek help but imagine these guys that in like vietnam who had like 190 days of fucking constant fighting like what that does to your head you know that
0: nobody gave a shit then either
1: dude i see a guy in the store and you know i know they get sick of it but i just every time i just say Man, hey, thank you you know for what you did whether it was just whether it wasn't even a combat role just going over there and dealing with the bullshit that they had to deal with and not having internet to call home and not having the comforts that I had. And I had so many comforts over there. Like, shit, I had my own chew before it got hammered. You know, I got, I had, I had, you know, internet and I had halfway decent food. And, you know, sometimes I didn't, but most of the time, you know, compared to like those, what those dudes went through earlier, like, you just have to take your hat off too hard sons of bitches yeah
0: yeah, every time I see one of those you know black and yellow I'm a a veteran hat you know the famous you know everybody's got one whether what war it was doesn't matter but when you see one you just want to go up and like shake their hand if they're like
1: you know you don't know like yeah, these old dudes who are you know walking with the cane now those dudes are stacking bodies 50 years ago (laughs) hard motherfuckers man Dude, those guys were like you know what I thought was hard those dudes laughed at me you know like (laughs) <laughs> it's just, just
0: well, uh, you know, on different times and fighting for uh, you know different guys, reasons, yeah. and you know, like you know, well, I could imagine you, a Vietnam because it wasn't on our terms, you know, fighting in the forest and the jungles and shit. It was a totally different type of warfare. You know, it you know, wasn't he, traditional, you know, compared to World War II or the you know, Korean
1: War. You know, it's you know, it, you gotta. Everybody fought there. It was just hard. And hot and fucking shitty and like really, feet rotting and oh, just, like I, I can't even I I've got I've got friends who were who are in Vietnam that I still talk to you know quite you know every every now and then like I'll talk to them the stories these guys tell me I'm just like you can't make a movie out of this shit like the stories that and the things that these guys did um just unbelievable just unbelievable yeah
0: is there any people that say that you had like you ran into whether they were higher ranks above you that were in like you know like any like of the earlier wars, not like the uh, like Desert Storm, but anything before that like any old 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 you know, dudes still time, still, still time, fucking shit up, you know? By the time that
1: I got into it, most of the guys um, there were maybe some I think there was a couple old timers that were getting out that were in Vietnam that I when I still got in. That's like, these crazy. These dudes were like old cats, they're like lieutenant colonels and shit, like old grizzled soldiers. Um, but by the time I got in, most of the dudes they were like you know early desert storm guys or uh you know stuff like that. You know, it was since I got so early into the war that by the time I was on my last tour, I was the old guy, you know. <laughs> say right yeah but it was funny you know bringing hardcore back into it you we'd be overseas on my last tour you I'd be around Bagram Air Base in Afghanistan and uh it a couple tours ago and you'd see hardcore stickers like posted up on the base like oh, I shit. remember there was a what was that one band from Boston there was one band from Boston one of the dudes in a, I think he was a ranger and he was plastering his stickers up all over the place and I was like. All these Boston hardcore stickers and shit everywhere. I was this, you know, Matt from uh, um Tyrant. He was a ranger. He was over. He, you know, that dude, that guy. I mean,
0: yeah, yeah, that's. He's probably. It's good, on the like, list. I don't know how to get a hold I don't know of how him. How many
1: tours that guy? That dude's a very, 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 uh, very, very, very good, humble. Uh, I'm sure you know if he'd be down, you know, yeah, he'd probably get some amazing. Yeah, I mean, a lot of
0: the lyrics that has oh, come from you know him alone, you know, just like trying to put a picture to whatever you know he was uh, writing, you know, like s- s- uh, screaming about, you know, like oh, uh, it's just like fucking scary, especially <laughs> uh, the first song off that one, of the "I'm um, uh, Welcome to Hell." I forgot what the what the song is called,
1: but it's just like. Just
0: like really paint a picture oh, of the shit that was happening in Baghdad. The albums
1: ever to come out of Detroit hardcore. Yeah. Either of the Tyrant albums, I think my favorite album to work out to is interchangeably, either of those albums. Like, just amazing, amazing. Another band from Detroit that I think just didn't get enough credit. Like, no. Tyrant. My wife is really, you know, she's, my wife's British and, you know, she's from a. She was over in England and she's been in a hardcore for years and I tell her about Tyrant. never heard of them I'm like how, how can you never hear Tyrant? And like, these guys are amazing
0: yeah they were always fun live man like, well, like that's like like, like they were like 2003 I think when the, uh, they said they started um <clears throat> but like, well, like going to see them for the first time I don't know who they played with but that would that had a big like impression on me like oh, yeah. i'm not straight edge, wasn't straight edge but the you know, it was fucking scary you know the way they would <laughs> get the crowd hyped up like dave and matt you know they were oh, yeah they were a fucking duo that would just set
1: shit off and really get the energy going brothers. i mean what you know i've known dave and matt Dude, i remember going over to dave and matt's mom's house and Matt was just a little kid watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, (laughs) probably 96, 95, like mid to late 90s, and, uh, you know, they just, it's good, good memories. Were you just friends with,
0: were you friends with Dave just because of shows and stuff? yeah, you
1: know, Dave and I knew each other from early Earthmover shows, and Dave was a wild man back then, just, you know, just moshing so fucking hard, taking kids' heads off, it was... You know, it's just uh, the golden era of Detroit hardcore, man.
0: Yeah, it's funny because there's actually a video. It's a coldest life video um, where they played at uh, Rockabilly's somewhere. I think it's Madison Heights or something along the lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, in that place. and
0: it's it's weird. The thing about the video is to see uh, Dave Hayes without the tattoos. You know, yeah. he just looks like a young kid. He has an army shirt on, he's like a <laughs> like a tank top. All he is like, yeah. he's a like a buzz cut. You know, I was like. I was like, Is that fucking Dave Hayes? I was watching him like Mosh and I was like, Ugh. so now he has all the tattoos and it's like yeah. a different person, but it was just it's good to be able to go just on the internet and see some of the old old shows.
1: We look like babies. <laughs> like I'll come across pictures of us oh, sometimes yeah. and I'm like, dude, I was, I was just a baby, you know? We were so skinny and small and you know, back then you think, you know, you see the world through a different lens. Yeah, um, you just see pictures of us now and you know, it's, it's good to see. You know?
0: Well, it's good that it can be uh, documented and uh, and preserved, is what I'm saying. Absolutely.
1: Um, you know, if it wasn't for those kids taking pictures back then, you wouldn't have anything. I, I'll have to ...everything and everyone. Dude, he's probably got rolls of film. If I remember his name, I'll, I'll have to get you to him. I, I forgot. Yeah,
0: that. no, it's good. Um but there's one uh, there's a I think there's a video. I think there's a couple videos that I can see. I think it's an Earth Mover set at um Pharaoh's. Did you do one with um a Universal Stomp? Was there a show sure, that was sure. recorded Yeah, we, yeah.
1: Had, uh, we did many shows with Universal Stomp. I think they may have played one of our final shows. Um Ed. Ed's a maniac love that guy. Yeah. He's um, on the list, man. <laughs> and there's so many people. And it's guy, just time. Yeah. What what a front man. Like, uh, that guy could spool up a crowd, get people going. His voice was amazing. His content was great. Um, Universal Stomp. Jesus. Early Detroit metal thrash hardcore band that just set the standard
0: (laughs) yeah they had one of those a reunion show for less than 10 years ago i think they played the token lounge the token i believe ed broke his foot
1: foot. i'm not sure if poison tongues played one of their last shows i think we did um i believe so my memory's so horrible now but uh i think one of the last shows we played was with uh with Universal, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, is a Poison Tongues just done or no? I, think or those I know guys they are doing it, they did know? it like um, uh, they did a show last time I seen
1: them. Uh, Two
0: thousand nineteen, they played at the Crow Manor. I don't think
1: i was you know i, I think yeah. i left the band then yeah you know, yeah um...
0: yeah it was just before all the shit happened like there's a lot of yeah. shows that were really starting to happen like even like building up to you know last year you know march when all the shit got shut down it was like so whether well, it's just me like getting back into all like the newer stuff sure, sure. but it seemed like it was like it was the shows were starting to come back and a lot of bands were like coming around even you know a uh, new york hardcore like but those bands were coming around. Yeah, I remember like, like
1: Madball was starting to come to that place over in uh, Mexican Town.
0: Yeah, uh, the, L.
1: The L Club. Yeah, L Club. Yeah. L Club. Like I saw like Madball was coming and then like a lot of bands were starting to come to the area. As for, uh, as for PT, I don't like, I left PT probably like 18, 19, just because I had a daughter and I was working downtown. And then I, you know, I lived pretty far out of the city. So for me, it was like, coming to the city an hour, drive downtown, then I'd go home and it'd be like a solid hour without traffic, then I'd have to go back. Mm. And it was just all that, plus my military requirements. And, and you know, to be honest with you, I love hardcore. Hard, hardcore will always have a place in my life. But, you know, we we were playing shows, and for me, like, there was just, a, you know, maybe it was my age or you know, we, we would play shows. And for me, there was, it, there was just, I knew when there was a time to leave and get out when the getting was good. Yeah. And I wanted to leave when there was a good thing. And Poison Tongues, man, I got to say, those guys are still doing it. I heard some of the new stuff they're doing. And, holy, it is so good. Like, I want to hate, but I can't hate <laughs> It's so fucking good. Like, it was amazing. Yeah. I heard it, and I'm so proud of those guys. Like, not that, you know, I, I everything mean, you, you know like it's it's so they're, they're doing really good stuff and it's so good to hear and uh when they come back out and the world lifts its shit we'll go sell merch for them or something just to yeah. be a part of them watch them <laughs> you know just to be a part of that show and watch them just do good stuff and you know i can't i don't have the time effort to be able to make it to practices and stuff like that but just to be a part of it and uh see them do good and yeah, I think that once this lifts, you're gonna see an influx of but I mean what's gonna happen? Like, are you gonna be able to mosh anymore? Are you gonna to have to mosh with the mask on? Like uh, Who you know, knows, maybe in the beginning. Who knows? It's hard you know what I was thinking about, is hardcore gonna go back underground? Like to the point where are they gonna do shows again? And that aren't talk, you like. That aren't in the public spotlight mm-hmm. are, is it going to go back to where shit's not going to be online and shows are going to be so underground that you're going to have to know somebody to know somebody to get so to get a the show yeah. and are people going to be responsible enough to get a vaccine or to because you know it's whether you want to see it and it, whether we want to call it a political thing or you know people are getting sick and people are fucking dying yeah. and you know we got to stop it somehow and
0: yeah, whatever how's was going to,
1: how's this going to plan out? I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting time in the world. It's a horrible time. Weird, weird yeah, time. It, it, it's, it, how something like this is going to affect hardcore in our community, in your community, and how, where's it going to go to keep the spirit alive? like yeah, to be very yeah, interesting right. over the next year and year and a half yeah. To, without the shows happening to see how this goes right yeah it be interesting
0: and that was one of, part of the uh, inspirations of starting this was just because we can't have shows and somehow like you said like keep it keep it alive keep the spirit alive and just uh something for somebody to listen to and or even talk
1: about and i think stuff like this is really important because i think there's a disconnect between new let's say a brand new kid gets into gets into hardcore gets into detroit hardcore well what are they really going to get into they're going to get into they're going to get into hardcore from somebody knows something about terror or these big hardcore bands that are coming out now and maybe some of the more popular detroit hardcore bands but what about those detroit hardcore bands that are 20 years past like negative Approach or you know, or Cold's life's, you know, always going to be pretty popular, but even the smaller bands like, you know, empathy, or um, even some like Dempsey's other bands, mm-hmm. like some of the bands he did, or some of the bands like Scruffy Terrorways, or uh, Dogs of War, or you know, The Alliance, or all these plethora of other bands that helped shape Detroit hardcore, and put it into a, you know, a momentum to drive forward that they're not going to really know if they only listen to bands like terror and all the new york bands and you know i i, I just keep on going back to terror because you know they're a great band, and i love scott and, one of the biggest but they're one uh, of the biggest yeah. and you're, you're the most accessible and if you go to um if you go to like pandora or spotify and you do a search like That band can spawn you off on this, uh, you know, down this rabbit hole of all these other bands, but rarely will it ever bring you back to Detroit. And I want to see kids get back into Detroit and have the Detroit love and start. I mean, what was that band that came out a while ago that was just phenomenal? Um, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm being so disrespectful right now with with my bad memory. Um, you just you had him on your on your site, uh, on, on your Annie up, uh, Annie up, like those guys
0: are crushing Never ending it. game,
1: never and Never ending game, Annie up, um, those guys who are crushed, really, um, uh, Enemy of God, uh, and you know what? I heard so many good things about Enemy of God, dude. Fucking guys. hard, hard crushing it, um, just chug chug, man. <laughs> uh, gotta love it. Like, I mean, getting back to Annie up, like, those guys. They're really putting the Detroit name out there.
0: Shout but out to Critter, man. He does so much, you know, so with the much. Motor City Fest and he all that really stuff. He
1: really does. And there's so many, so many Detroit bands. It, it's weird. Like, in the whole hardcore scene of the United States, Detroit's got this little pocket. But this little pocket made so many ripples through the, the, through the hardcore scene worldwide that everybody kind of just, you know, you, you hear the heavy hitters like... Really cold as life, but you know, even Earth Mover made a little ripple. But I mean, bands like Walls of Jericho, Jericho oh, yeah, oh, fucking gigantic, Holy shit. gigantic, gigantic. Like, they got the Detroit name out like they were a fucking tidal wave. That got, but there's so much talent in this city, and there's so much, so many people that do so many amazing things. That I just hope that Detroit someday gets the recognition that all these other cities get you know yeah but i think it'll come again yeah i don't think this damn pandemic really uh kind of stifled it but you know detroit comes up from the ashes and reinvents itself every few years and it'll do the same the hearts here and the kids are here there's a cycle the intent and you know there's the the uh you know the backbone here that a lot of other places don't have and I, I i think it's gonna flourish again you know
0: i believe so too and that's
1: what jeff being back holy shit that guy's I... a powerhouse in his <laughs> he'll 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 de- 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 def- definitely i you know i you know i don't know what's in sort of coldest life but well uh, we Here's... mentioned
0: some things last night um, it'll be, you know, on Monday. I don't know when this one's gonna come out, but you know, fuck, I'll just say it. Like uh, him and Roy have been uh, jamming and shit. They also had uh, Beast, oh. Beast with them. They've been, over Roy's, you know, just uh, knocking the dust off. Uh, they didn't say oh, who's who or what's what or what band that's is this or, or that's what I'm that's oh, what I'm hoping man. for. It was always, it was just like a, it's like an unfinished sentence, pretty much. Like we've been hanging out. We've been rocking rockin', you know, and dusting I'd, it up i'd love up, to you know? see
1: where it comes from jesus that, that that hate ink record Man,
0: that's a <sighs> scary <fucking> shit Powerhouse, <laughs> yeah like that thing yeah beast out, yeah, every so time i
1: because
0: I, <laughs> I told this last night like i think uh, the only time i've ever been uh, punched by the singer of a band while they're performing is during Hate ink. <laughs> 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 you know just getting too close to them having a good time it's like back the fuck up you know
1: just a great no nonsense hardcore band one of those albums that every song on it's a fucking bang you know how many how many albums do you you know there's so many hardcore albums out there that are iconic that have one or two or three real bangers but that that hate ink album dude clockwork misery every song Hmm. on there is just Boom, 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 boom. Everything's Yeah, awesome.
0: And it's real, too. Boom, it's not boom, no bullshit. Boom. You know, it's not just some fucking wannabe tough guy. Like, it's uh, those guys really paved the way and, you know. Characters,
1: man. Right? Exactly. Characters. Walk the walk and talk
0: the talk, though. You know, it's.
1: Yeah, definitely characters, dude. It's, uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's
0: really nothing like they, when you think of Detroit hardcore, like. So you paint the picture with Hey Ink or Cold as Life or Earth Mover. Like, this is what Detroit Hardcore is. It's all, it's all intertwined, is what you I'm know, trying to I, say. You I think it is all yeah.
1: intertwined. And I, I think, you know, when you talk about Hardcore, d- 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 Detroit Hardcore, you have these, you know, these bands that are like more legacy bands. But, you know to really get after you know you, you got you gotta dig it and you gotta you go know, you look back and obviously everybody knows that you know the negative fucking approach but like bands like pitbull like dude pitbull shows back in the day <laughs> holy shit dude like mikey pitbull that guy dude i used to listen to the way that dude sang and it was just like i want to get after it like this dude like This guy brought it, you know. He brought the fucking hate.
0: He was a a beast. I think I was only fortunate enough to see them. I'm almost positive it was only one time. And they were already pretty much done. But uh, Hatebreed was coming through like 2006. I don't even think they were supposed to play in Detroit on whatever tour they were on. But they popped in. They were already huge. And they played at St. Andrews. And uh,
1: Pitbull?
0: Well, Hatebreed. But I think Pitbull just jumped on the show like fucking last minute. Man. And I think they were already done. I don't know. I think Hate Inc. played in Pitbull. Oh, and, my God. And show, then Hate dude. Breed, you know, and it was just out of the nowhere. They're like, like, this happened in 48 hours. Like, there's no tickets. You fucking pay at the doors. First come, sure, first sure, serve. Sure. It was so random. And because Hate Breed was so fucking big already, like, there's just. Lines down uh, East Congress, you know, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. everybody waiting to get in, and that was one of the craziest shows I ever think I've been to. You know, I see hate breed at Harpo's and shit like that, fucking people everywhere. But that was one of the, it's one of the most packed and hottest shows. That I've- oh, I can. it was <laughs> you know, in like August in you Saint know, Andrews. It, you, you know, you've been, you probably played those hot, hot oh Saint Andrews God. shows.
1: Like, you know, now now you, you spit out people, I just, you know, I think about. The old Pitbull shows, and uh dude, they were brutal, like just fucking. <laughs> before like really Detroit hardcore had that, was like Detroit iconic hardcore name like Pitbulls. Just this crossover, just fucking heavy metal, straight up hardcore, vicious. Fuck, they, they're seven inches. I remember fucking going to Royal Oak and. There was two record stores there, and just praying that I would find the pipple seven inches there. And then when I found them, I still have them, man. Just uh, great album. Went off on a tangent there, but no, it's great. It's great. <laughs> well, just
0: to uh, you know, bring up you know, it's like, you hit like different parts of your brain that you haven't thought about in a oh, long like time. Neuro- and- up
1: neural path, right? <laughs> I didn't even know fucking existed anymore.
0: <laughs> well, that's part part of the thing. It's all. all things that I like to hear about because that's all I find the 90s like one of the most interesting eras of, and I know you know the early 80s and stuff with uh, a negative approach even uh, before that like Iggy Pop and MC5 and shit like that
1: like you know that's just
0: where it started you know whether it sounded completely different but just the small influence you know can really that somebody else can turn it up a notch then another notch and just gets harder and harder from there you know
1: you know, and it's funny, like, all those, Detroit has such a legacy of all that stuff, you know. Iggy and fucking Detroit Madman and uh, all that. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, I find myself now, like, I listen to all that stuff. Like Even, you know, the old Bob Seger shit, dude. I, anything Detroit is a special place in my heart. Anything Michigan has a special place in my heart. Like, I fucking love all that stuff. Even though I may not listen to hardcore every day like I used to now, damn right it fucking... I love fucking the Nuge. I love fucking Seeger. Yeah. I love all that
0: stuff. I love Ted Nugent. I mean, I've seen him a couple of times with my dad. <laughs> you... Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> well, first concert I ever went to, I was like eight or nine years old, fucking Ted Nugent. my dad took me and uh, you know, I was like, standing on the chair at what was then Pine Knob, you know, just standing on the chair like the fifth row, like, woo, you know, with you... my dad, man. You know? Did you
1: pull the bow out? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: God. I don't know. I don't know who he shot. So what year was that? Probably 95, 96. I think for sure it must have been like bill clinton was like hanging up i was like I oh my shot a flaming arrow into fucking bill clinton <laughs> like a, a crazy asshole that's amazing, <laughs> wow. i seen him a couple years after that and then uh he had osama bin laden hanging up on the dang flaming arrow shoe <laughs> <him. laughs> like crazy he gets better he does not care he's a for sure the motor city madman motor
1: city Madman, you know and uh it'll never when he comes back see Nugent I always want to yeah. see Siroc. I always want to go see those guys. Um I don't know maybe yeah. I just get older. I just love them. No, shit,
0: but man. it's a, just understanding and appreciating just the uh you know, uh, Detroit uh music scene, you know, it's so just like even in like Motown and she, like <laughs> how lucky are we?
1: How you lucky know? are we? And just know, say we it's live where so all the shit many, started. So many people don't know about that stuff like even just how many people live here and have never been to the Motown Museum like, yeah. over on Grand Boulevard. Yeah, like, a
0: lot, a lot. I think I went there on like a on a school field trip. Lucky enough, like my music class, you dude, know. I, wish I was in that music class. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I still yeah. Never went to that shit.
1: Like, well, like it's just unbelievable
0: how lucky we are. And, how you know, lucky we are. Yeah, and then hopefully once this whole thing goes away or whatever the fuck happens, when no, we're yeah. safely. Uh, be in the same room as each other, uh, I think it'll just reinvigorate and, you know, the new era will hopefully be stronger than ever. And-
1: I Hopefully it's stronger than ever. Hopefully that, you know, people don't take each other for granted anymore. You know, the, the bullshit attitude it shows and all the melodrama bullshit goes away. You know, it, it wasn't that prevalent. You know, I think some of that Tough guy shit scares kids away, but in the same token, some of that stuff, it makes it what it is, you know, yeah. that Detroit hardcore, the, the rugged vibe of it, the rugged, you know, that the fringe edge of music, you know, that's what made Detroit, Detroit. And, uh, you gotta be a certain kind of person to want to be there and want to <laughs> do it. And, you know, but I think that people could you know, as long as we're accepting, Bring kids in, and you know, show the younger team that, uh, you know, that the you know older guys can, you know, educate them to you know some of the bands and some of the the way things were. That so the old stories don't die. You know, that's why you're in front of a what microphone. you're man. doing right here, <laughs> man. Just trying to keep it alive. You know, Enough. and hopefully some you know some people you know pick up on some of those. You know, there's one guy who did a lot for Detroit. Um, his name was Mike. He did this old record label called, I think it was Conquer the World Records. Uh, I hope I got that right. People are probably going to be scoffing at me when they hear <laughs> they hear me say it if I got the name wrong. But you know, that guy did. They'll
0: know. correct us, hopefully. They'll correct me, there.
1: hopefully. But that dude, uh, I think it was Conquer the World. He, you know, he did, he did a lot of. A lot it's for Detroit, one of those dudes that kind of flew under the radar that brought bands and did music. And, you know, there's, you know, early bands from like uh, Canada, one called Chokehold that used to come to Detroit. I I've heard of, heard of Chokehold. <laughs> I've heard of them, but vicious. Yeah. Vicious old straight edge band, dude. But your lyrics are just raw. If you can find, if you can even find their stuff, if I got, if you got a record player, dude, I'll, i'll throw you some of the seven inches i need to now. get
0: a record player because you gotta have
1: it makes there's gems out there of so much early stuff. music of the midwest area that uh it just it could shape your scope <laughs> yeah i mean
0: you know, so many so many people have well like they uh collect records and stuff i've never like, understood it till like recently and i'm almost regretting all the years of all these bands putting out their seven inches and their splits and shit and, like I totally fucked up because like listening to YouTube just isn't the same as putting a record on. I don't don't know the experience, but that's what everybody says. Just doing the work of putting the needle on the record and fucking cranking it, you know. And even the sound alone, people say, is nothing like a record player.
1: Nothing like a record player, man. You know, it's funny. I was trying to spark my memory of old Detroit bands and I I leafed through my 7-ish collection the other day one old detroit band you gotta check out is ricochet if you ever heard them dude ricochet they were they were that whole when i was telling you about the whole grounds coffee house yeah thing back in the day those guys played there those guys did a lot for detroit and again um i think you know um i believe craig halloway was in the band maybe for a quick minute and uh you know, I, I feel so. I'll write
0: that down now so don't forget. Because I keep oh, getting Ricochet. these these uh suggestions, man. And there's a lot of things I don't know, and I'm just trying to
1: uh, they, they get resur- to the bottom of they it, they man. <laughs> you know, here about a year and a half, two years ago. Grounds Coffee House, I
0: remember that one too. Yep.
1: and uh, that the Ricochet Band Service, and my buddy, who you know, and dude. After my fucking head injury, dude, I can't remember so much. But he's such a good dude and I see him. He's on my Instagram, dude and I see his face right now and he's gonna hate <laughs> me for it. But he's such love an you. amazing uh, dude, I love you. <laughs> um such a great dude. But he's he's staying Detroit hardcore. He's still you know, he's still he's I think he's got a band out there now.
0: Yeah, there's some lifers, man, who've not missed a show and <laughs> you know no you know, props to them.
1: Absolutely. Um but you know, it's so good to just talk to you about this and just reopen some some old old places and you know, it's good because I still came to contact with, like, Joe from the Alliance. Yeah. yeah he's up dude. next, and eventually. Yeah. yeah. Dude. Yeah. Detroit hardcore hip-hop. That guy's got Suicide Kings. They just released a new album. Yeah,
0: yesterday, I believe, they yeah. put it out. <laughs> yep, Yeah, you find yeah. it everywhere. You know, For just a got to search in Suicide Kings Detroit. And, what a talent,
1: dude. Yeah. If you're into hip-hop and you're in Detroit, you got Aztec. You got yeah. Suicide Kings, you know, and, oh my God. Like, what a talent pool.
0: <laughs> then just put on some uh universal stomp. That's hip hop in the There you go. Oh,
1: <laughs> you know, it is before you know, before hip hop hardcore was even a thing with like E Town concrete and all that. Uh Universal stomp, dude, That guy was crushing it. Fuck yeah, man. I love that
0: band. So I mean we fucking went through a lot of shit here. We did you
1: go through a lot of shit. What's what's the time hat? are oh, Damn it, good. I'm, I'm going to go home I don't want to talk to anybody My voice is going to be like, so thankful <laughs> <laughs> You're like good he's all talked about <laughs>
0: Silence <Good. laughs> Yeah shit
1: awesome. yeah. Hey man thanks for having me thank on, you dude.
0: Thank you hey, I mean it's a pleasure for me And you know, honor and I'm sure a lot of other people Will get something out of this and you know yeah, i
1: hope i hope i didn't uh, talk too much never
0: never that's the whole point <laughs> that's the whole point just let it out absolutely, man you know absolutely. just whether it's a rant
1: or i hope i run into you know if there's anybody out there that i haven't ran into in a long time shows open up you know i hope to, you know see boy again and jeff and all those dudes and uh you know i hope good people are out there doing good things i heard her beast is doing good these days and, you know i still keep in contact with Joe, and fucking Jam, and all those dudes and this pandemic it you know it keeps people kind of apart but you know you see your tidbits about people and you want to you know it's always good to hear people doing positive things and keeping their head above water and yeah the sea of negativity and right, just getting on the news and all you see is bullshit people hating on each other so everything you know but yes. awesome man thanks for having me on yeah
0: thank you that's a good way to end it that was fucking cool was dude. a good way to end it yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't know where to go